of our best kept secrets at Sioux Nation Ag Center is our product Milkshake, which is manufactured for Sioux Nation Ag Center customers to help promote gut health in their nursery piglets. Talk to your field marketer for more information about Milkshake. Hi folks and welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Geis. Now today I'd like to welcome to the program Emma Lasko and Jason Monroe, and we're both from Zoetis. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Now, Emma serves as the pork production specialist for the Zoetis pork team. Now, she has experience in swine production and research at various production levels within a focus for nursery as well as wean to finish and finishing. So basically the whole gambit. Mm-hmm. And then you're from Southwest Wisconsin. Yep. Where you spend your spare time doing that wonderful job of dairying as well as beef cattle. A little different than pigs, but that's how I fill my time. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure you'll fill your time pretty well if you're running a dairy on the side. Yeah, yep. We have some awesome people that help us with that so I can get away and, and work on the pigs, which I tend to like more. I just don't share that, that favoritism at home. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Jason uh, graduated from Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University with a Bachelor of Science degree in Animal Science. He has experience working with Carolina Foods and Prestige Farms. Now, you've been an educator and a pork production specialist for 12 years, and you're looking forward to a lasting career at Zoetis then. Yeah. I live in, currently in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and um, it's been a, a real pleasure to be in the industry all these years. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for being here today. We really appreciate it. And today, what we'd like to really focus on is vaccinology. I mean, in all of our production animal species, obviously, we get the the joys of dealing with disease challenges, but specifically with your background in pork production, you know, we can dive into this a little better. So maybe the first thing I'd like to ask is we think of vaccines automatically, we stick them in the animal, the animal should be immune, but we know that's not the case. Um, obviously the way we handle the vaccine changes that. So what are some of the common mistakes that you see a lot of pork producers doing with proper vaccine handling? And then on top of that, what are some maybe other things that they should keep an eye out for in their animal husbandry processes? I would say probably the main thing that I notice when I go out and work with people is the lack of attention that the vaccine refrigerators get. So at Zoetis, we like to promote that refrigerator as being the lifeline of the farm, just like a a semen cooler would be. And we want to ensure that every uh, refrigerator has a thermometer in it and that is checked every day. So you know that your vaccine's being stored at a proper temperature. What is one of those things that could happen if your vaccine isn't stored at a proper temperature? Obviously, it could go bad if it's not stored at a at a low enough temperature. And also, it can freeze. And that's one of the worst things that can happen is uh, vaccine freezing. And vaccine freezing is worse than being a little warm. Right, exactly. For you know the reasons, I guess, yep. some people, this might be new information to them. So Yeah, use a vaccine that's been frozen then you can have all kinds of adverse reactions or anaphylactic shock even. And obviously, that's the exact opposite thing of what we're doing. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, Emma, do you have anything to add to that then? No, I think uh, Jason kind of hit it on the dot there. Essentially, you have to make sure you keep it in the right temperatures if you want it to work how it's intended to and keep the pigs safe while you're doing it. And as far as when they're administering the vaccine, do you have any tips and tricks to make sure that the administration process also aids in us developing an immune response? Yeah, one of our colleagues once said the best vaccine is the vaccine that gets in the pig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's start with that and let's make sure that we're getting a proper injection injection site. And the full dose. Yes. So I think one thing that 
we seem to lose focus of is that we, we give vaccines so much they become kind of a routine. If we look really at the very basic of what we're doing, why do we even give the vaccine in the first place? The whole the whole purpose in a vaccine really is so that animals protected without becoming sick. We don't want to lose production on that animal. It goes into to, to immunity and how immunity is formed. And I mean, we could sit here and talk about that for hours. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is vaccines are formulated so that animal can recognize disease when it's introduced to it quickly and not have to go through the sickness process. So how does that work in the animal then, so the animal recognizes that disease? So let's talk about immunity then for a minute. There's two types of immunity, innate and adaptive. And innate, we'll go ahead and get that one out of the way first. Uh, it's what you're born with. You've got protection as far as your gut lining, your acidic acid in the stomach to help break down things. Uh, you have mucous membranes to help prevent um, diseases and germs from getting in. So that innate immunity is really the things you're born with that is like that first barrier. Second of all, we got adaptive, and, that, and you're building that your whole lifetime. And adaptive really consists of two different parts. And adaptive is passive. Passive is what we call passive immunity is from uh, the pigs receiving colostrum from their mothers. So they're receiving antibodies at birth through that first milk. And it's kind of passed from the mom to the, to the babies through the milk. So kind of obvious why we call it passive, I guess, or refer to it as that. The second is active immunity. And what happens with active immunity is, is when that pig actually gets sick and he recovers, so during that period of time when he's sick and he's recovering, he's going to build antibodies and protection for that disease or germ that he had to go through or, or went through. So what we're doing with vaccines is we're trying to provide that immunity without even causing that sickness. So that's what it does. It, it, it recognizes a foreign material and a, a disease, whatever that vaccine was for. It immediately recognizes that and sends out the memory cells or the, the forces to go fight that infection before that pig really gets affected. So basically, the innate immunity is going to be our first line of defense. But the vaccine is giving us the opportunity to have a second, more specific line of defense for all the different pathogens that are out there. You know, with so much we have invested in our livestock, both the cost and the feed and the facility, what are some of the common issues that you see that we we might have been able to avoid with better management options so that we would get a better return on investment in all these things that we have invested in these animals? Yeah, I think... There's a couple things that come to mind when I think about some items that are missed. And the first one's usually ventilation. It's a huge impact on animal health. Um, So I think it's something the minute you walk in the barn, right, you're going to want to, are you comfortable? And then make sure you're looking at the pigs in the pen. Are they comfortable? How can we adjust that? Two barns right next to each other may operate a little bit differently, right? So that's something you have to keep in mind. Uh, Maybe adjustments daily or weekly um, to make sure those pigs are comfortable. And I think sometimes that's a management practice that's a little bit overlooked. Sure. I mean, to know you're on the right track, is this something that you like to keep records of? Yeah, I think um, the the piece of records with ventilation would probably be just making sure that you have, you know, a, a set point or a temperature curve um, and really understand uh, how many CFMs you need to be moving, whether that's with inlets or fans that you have in your barn. Sure. Are there any other good records that people should be keeping just as a general rule? Yeah, I think records are really important, right? PQA tells us that. Um, there's 
probably two reasons. One would be withdrawal, right? Whether that's keeping records on uh, feed out of medications, injectables, uh, water solubles, making sure you know the withdrawal dates on that if you're culling feeder pigs um, or if you're sending pigs to market. And then the second reason is is probably just the daily temperature and water measurements, right? Those are early onset signs that something's wrong in our barn or there's something wrong with our pigs. So those records are going to come in handy for daily operation too. Is there something where people should have their eye out if something's out of whack on that, that maybe a break point? I mean, you've covered a lot of different issues there, but maybe there are certain things that people should be thinking about. Like I see this number as a trend and I should say, oh, we got to do something. Yeah, I think with water, an immediate drop in consumption, similar to feed, if you happen to track that as well, uh, with bin weights, uh, the minute you see a decline in that, your pigs are going off feed and water. It's an early onset sign of sickness. So I think that's definitely one, as well as temperature. You know, if you've got young pigs and you watch a temperature drop low, you've got something to be concerned about. And same with market-sized pigs. You want to keep them cool and comfortable. If the opposite were to happen, those are signs of trouble. I mean, combining what you're saying and Jason's saying about vaccination, I suppose having a good health protocol is very critical. Are there any things that you think producers should have in mind in regard to health protocols so that they're making sure they're on top of things rather than reacting to things? Yeah, I think that really comes into set with working with your veterinarian um, and how they advise that based on flow status. If you're getting sick pigs, healthy pigs, uh, what have you seen performance in the past and how can you adjust a health protocol to that? I suppose with health protocols too, I mean, if, if we do have a problem, is this something where we can isolate our way out of it in certain situations? Yeah, definitely. That's where biosecurity comes into play. We have external biosecurity and we have internal biosecurity. So internally, we can separate incoming animals. We can separate sick animals. Doing daily pig chores, we can separate those that uh, from the rest of the herd that need more attention. There's a lot of different things. I and mean, we've, we've focused a lot on bacteriology and virology, but obviously parasites and pests even play a role in biosecurity. Yeah, without a doubt. There's fomite transmission, and the way we see it in barns most commonly is going to be birds and mice, a lot of rodents around the barn. So I always say the example is if you just went through a really bad PERS group um, and you've finally disinfected and maybe you've even whitewashed your barn, and then all it takes is for that bird or that that animal uh, to track it right back in and you're sent down that, that hill. So bait boxes, uh, disinfection, those are all important things. There's just so many things that a person has to think about when it comes to pork production. Is there a mechanism by which that, you know, people can kind of gather all this information together and have some sort of a checklist or training that could get them up to speed? Yeah, absolutely. At Zoetis, we offer a couple different trainings to our customers uh, that involve a lot of the things we've discussed. And some of the focus is maybe those mismanagement practices, right? How do we catch pigs earlier as they uh, start to get sick and make sure we, we have that opportunity pig to take to market? And how do the surrounding areas in the barn, in the pen, uh, outside of the pig affect some of those things? Yes, we also have vaccinologist training where we come in and talk about vaccines, the pro- how they're used, what they're used for, proper storage, efficacy of the product. Show the people that are using vaccines how to calibrate their syringes, how to make sure their their vac- uh, vaccines are rotated and stored properly. 
And, and the kind of the concept I was discussing is what we label as our individual pig care training. And it really isn't recreating the wheel uh, by any means, but it's making a common vocabulary of how we classify sick pigs, right? An A, B, C, and E pig. And how can we identify it at that A stage uh, before we have to pump more medicine um, and possibly lose that pig? And also we have an individual sow care now where we're trying to promote paying more attention to every sow every day instead of just doing manual chores to actually focus the caretaker's eyes back towards the animals. So many things to think about, and our labor situation in the hog industry is is tight. So we unfortunately sometimes have to bring in people that maybe not be very aware from the get-go about all these issues. So that's a good opportunity for people if they have uh, people they need to train to know that that is available for them. And I'm sure, too, I mean, there's issues with the uh, environmental requirements that we face that would require thought as well. Yeah, I I think that there's maybe some aspects as far as, um, I don't know if it'd be environmental, but antibiotic use is something that, you know, we discuss really commonly with individual pig care. And, you know, we had pressure as an industry, um, you know, for the last couple of years about how we can can use that even more responsibly than we already have. And individual pig care is a way that, you know, we kind of, we, we curb that and maybe work with some customers on that. So for folks that are interested, is there a way that they can access all this training that you've talked about? Yeah, so uh, the easiest way to access this would be through your Zoetis sales representative that is nearest to your location, and they would be able to connect you with our trainings. Sounds great. Well, thank you all very much for taking the time to stop by with us, and I suppose uh, there's a lot of different things that people can come away from this and, and chew on and see where maybe that they could improve and at least know some places where they're doing things pretty well, so... I really appreciate you taking the time to share this information with us today. Well, thanks for having us. Appreciate the time. Thank you to all our listeners out there taking the time to stop by and hear what's going on. Y'all take care, folks. <laughs>